to Miracle Nutrition. This is a story about a man named Hardy. Didn't live in the mountains, wasn't poor. Didn't think he was poor, maybe he is. Then he happened upon something in the ground. It was a radio show. And it came up through the swamp like coal oil. Now he was rich, not literally, but rich in spirit and rich in blessings. And here he is. Hi, I am Hardy White. Oh, hello, my friends. I'm so glad to be here with you. And we are together as friends. And there is no better time than to speak about being friends and relationships than when you are with friends, because perhaps they will be living evidence of the success of your friendship strategies and models. There have been many books written over the years, how to make friends and influence people, how to win friends. Now I'm making the titles up. You want friends, do you? I'm sure they exist, though, because being able to have people who are close to you, who you know have your back, and I have, you know who has my back? I think is my nephew. I see it's a familial resemblance. We were at the beach, and I was like, you have, I have your back. You have my back. You have the white, the, the white back. If you didn't know what I was talking about, and I meant the family. We all, the whites, have the same sort of back. And he, it's so funny because he, he, then he turned around and faced me and sort of backed away because he knew I was looking at his back. But that's because we have a relationship and it's like friendship, even though it's family, because I, he knows I would do anything for him and he would, I'm not sure. I can't speak for other people. Listen, the friendships and relationships we have, I believe, are based on ones that are modeled for us. And what are they modeled by? Usually, there used to be a whole industry, modeling industry. People would come out on a runway and demonstrate a type of friendship. Hi, I'm a work acquaintance. And they would give you various tips about how to nurture that work acquaintance relationship. Don't over talk because you got to see them all the time. So a little goes a long way. Remember their family's names and their children's names and everything. That's helpful. But we used to model friendships on ones that we experienced in real life. And then about mid-century of the 20th century, it became the job of television to model our friendships and relationships. And so everything was in terms of ones we'd seen on TV. And even they'd have pipes, pop psychology books that would say, are you Gilligan or the Skipper? Like different types, you know, Men are Jim Backus and women are Bob Denver was one that was nice. I don't know. There, but there was a lot of them. Now I'm, now I'm blanking on it, but I know there was a lots of them. And they were based on the television shows. So let's say you have uh, uh, an intact, healthy, functioning family, like the Bunkers or something. And then you say, well, how do I behave in a relationship? Well... In a, in a hateful, controlling, bullying way, if you're the father, would be the model there. I, now, personally, I'm not going to choose that one because there's a lot of TV relationships that I would 
rather emulate. So when you say a, a TV father, who do I think of? I think of the Leave it to Beaver dad who looked, based on what I knew growing up, I knew types of fellas like that, and they were basically functioning alcoholics. And it's a physiognomy thing. And I'd look at it and go, whoa, you look like you're sober, but I know you're not. And that was the thing back then, I think, a lot of times. Also, that Ward Cleaver, I feel like he's a heavy smoker. And there was also, there was an episode where Beaver gets hold of the family pipe. So it was just one laying around the house. I guess it was grandpa's. We don't do that anymore. Pipes and beards are gone now, children, they would say. And then, boop, that spaceship landed in Brooklyn and they're back. Things change. Oh, there's a good one, Mork and Mindy. And I've had lots of relationships with like that. Now, Mork, now that's symbolic. So Mork is somebody who's different. And I have friends that are just wired different or they're from another planet or they're different species or something. You know, if you live with animals, you know how that is. Oh, my gosh, cats. Am I right? I wonder if you can gen- you can't really generalize about humans the way we do about other species. Oh, dogs. It seems they're all different, but maybe they're not. Maybe we're not. But I only know that from watching other people's fiction. When I was younger, I, I did think, and this started in the, in the movies too, as you're searching for an identity as a young person, any kind of movie, whether it's a war movie or maybe the Bowery Boys, where it's a group and every individual is like a cliche or it's like a, you know, a, a, I don't want to say archetype, you know, just a character. There's, there's old, you know, cowboy. He wears a cowboy hat and lacks cowboys or something. He, uh, so that's you go, well, I'm looking for an identity within the group. Maybe I'll be... You know, smart guy, or I can, oh, Seven Dwarfs is like that too. It's like, which one are you? I never thought I'd be, that I'm be sneezy, but I think my chronic sinusitis actually makes me be sneezy. It's not the one I want. I was hoping that my, if I was going to be one of the dwarves, it would be um, Consoli or some, I don't know, one of them, like, uh, that might not have been one. I don't know if any of them were named very deeply. Well, Bashful, that's a, that's a pretty significant one. I like that. I think there's a difference between having social anxiety and allergies. But that's just me. And I guess it doesn't make much of a difference when it comes to mythical cartoon creatures. But they can also be strong role models. So many. Uh, top Cat is a great way to find your identity. Which one of the top cat cats do I want to be? And you think, oh, everybody wants to be top cat. Not so. I often wanted to be a supporting player when I watched things. I was like, I want to be somebody's Barney. I always thought that. Well, Fred is no role model, right? Barney's clearly kind of has better character. I think that, oh, yeah, Fred's the only problematic one. My theory is maybe he has money. I wonder about why they... Because I've watched a couple Flintstones looking back and, and, you know, ha, ha, ha. And it's all fun and honeymooners until the children show up. And then you're like, this guy has problems and he's a bully and now he has a child. So I, I watched the show closely to see, to examine it. And um, I do believe there's some hidden part of the iceberg. There's something about Fred we don't know.
that engenders this loyalty by people who are constantly being hurt by him. And his wife doesn't take him seriously on Sunday. Oh, it's all bluster. But like, is it? I don't know. I feel like sometimes Wilma's got some... I guess it's before Stockholm wasn't a city yet, so I don't know what you'd call it. But um, she has that. She has clearly is too in love with her captor. Uh, and um, now I'm, all, I'm all a little disturbed. What's more, what's cheerier than the, oh my gosh, the, 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 uh, the Flintstone, such a downer. I don't want to stay on that note. What's something, uh, a show that's a little more uh, fun? Well, I remember one that left a pressure on me as a child. Now, I don't, I'm not saying these things for nostalgia's sake. I'm saying them because they're the new religion, and there's no other way to relate to people than by the stories of the ancients, which happen to be ha about half Hanna-Barbera, and then the other half, you know, television sitcoms and all. So I'm not, it's not, it has nothing to do with nostalgia. It has to do with the persistent uh, of affect the persistent um, legacy of this cultural substitute that we call television. And so one that made an impression on me was Emergency. They later made it into a cartoon, I think, even for kids because they knew it resonated with them. And the episode that really came, a fella had choked on a pop top, which you're saying, isn't that a line in Jimmy Buffett? I think he stepped on one. It's a different medical crisis. So there's old cola pop tops that actually came off the can and were sharp like razor blades. Some people would be going, oh, this razor blade sharp top, what should I do with it? I'll put it in the can and drink it along with the soda. Some would do that. Some would drop it on the beach. That's the one that Jimmy Buffett stepped on. This one was swallowed by an individual. Um, emergency shows up. Gage and DeSoto. Uh, Gage and DeSoto show up. Choke, act of choking. Uh, rampart, one Rampart, 12, one Rampart, 12. Come in, come in, engage in DeSoto. Are you here? Yes, Rampart, we are here. Over. Engage. We have here a, a per individual who has ingested a tab off of tab. Tab, capital tab, the cola, small tab. The tab has gotten, he put the tab in tab, capital T tab, and swallowed it. It is now lodged in his brachial and he is choking to death. Advise. Yes, Roger, 12, what, 12, ringers lactate, three, four, ringers lactate, CC, uh, intubate, and then do a um, tracheotomy with like a big pen. And they did that, and they punched a hole in the throat of the choking, I think it was a young person which made it, it was like, hey, I'm a young person who drinks cola. I possibly could get stabbed in the throat with a pen by these two uh, nurse police, or I don't know what they are. I didn't know. It seems to me they didn't have um, they didn't have those like those those kind of medics, paramedics. That seemed new to me. I don't remember. They had ambulance drivers, and just a guy, a couple guys with cigarettes would show up and go, oh, "You going to the hospital?" But down at in the seventies or sixties or something, they started sending out like semi-qualified people or qualified people. I don't know. Overqualified. I think they're overqualified bystanders, underqualified doctors or something. They'd send them out and say, hey, get stabilize this person, get him in the wellness wagon and deliver him to the hospital. In this case, Rampart, which is an L.A. hospital. 
a strange name for where are you going they're taking me to rampart i don't know if i want to go there is there another one give me list the close hospitals and uh um take me to uh well there's presbyterian and jewish hospital and then there's um there's another one i forget the uh the story impacted me i'm not sure that it affected my friendships like the other things did but uh, i digress i don't digress actually i'm right on target i'm looking at my flow chart here there's no di digression i mean i've sh shot off to the right a bit on the flow chart but it's going to come right back i know it will it's not a literal flow chart because i don't have the patience or neurology to write things down Sometimes I do. Um, what's the last thing I wrote down? Oh, I wrote down help on a piece, little piece of paper and then uh, scootered it over. But uh, that's, about, uh, that's about it. A lot of times uh, what you're hearing is what I'm reading off my internal uh, teleprompter, which I call my, my brain or my consciousness. And... Um, I'm aware of what I'm saying. Isn't that strange? I, w I do wish I could speak without an awareness, and I've tried. It comes out gibberish, which is also fine. But there's a, I've, I've tried un, undirected speech. I just, like that. But I, I start to consciously manipulate it, and so it's never fully uh, random. I don't know what it would take. Probably lots and lots of the kind of drugs that make your brain all scrambled. But then what's the point? That's not what I'm looking for. Listen, I live with some friends. I live with my friend Lou and my friend Butchie. And uh, I think we have um, a pretty good relationship, but it, it could always be better. Well, what? That violates your... Prime Directive, Artie. What's that? Don't you have a problem with better and best? And Well, I do when it comes to... Yeah, you're right. I do have a little bit of a problem. Ranking things is dangerous. Ranking people has caused more harm in the world than you could possibly imagine. And I've talked about that before and will again. Please, come to my... Um, to my... Uh, I don't want to call it... The, there's a, a, a first name that people use in the, with talk. And I'm trying to think of another kind of... I like Twin Peaks a lot. Maybe Bob Talks, where uh, we get up and we speak, but it's not really... It looks like us, but it's really something that's possessing us is doing the speaking. And um, so thank you for coming to my Bob Talk, because let, I've let an entity in. Oh, Twin Peaks is another good thing to uh, measure your relationships by say hey do i have that kind of relationship that that wyndham earl had with with agent cooper those guys were tight at one point um you know that kind of thing my book who were my bookhouse boys i always say i don't like that i was like, i don't know. it has boys in it i don't that seems to sort of limiting so uh the bookhouse gang or something we'd all be yeah all right so vigilantes can be any gender you can you don't have to any type any gender any belief it, it to go out and to preemptively hurt people because you think they're a threat you can be anybody
But there's a lot of other good messages on Twin Peaks, like the non-stories, the real, oh, well, there's a, that's not in the thing, though. That is the thing. Listen, when my friends and I get together, we will watch old sitcoms together and try to figure out what knowledge, what beautiful wisdom that we can cull, and we love to cull. We've gone on culling vacations where you sift through. Have you ever done that in North Carolina? I'm going to sift through mud, and then I'm going to get a gem. And, uh, nah. But that's culling. We love to cull. So we look at the other. Someone said that about my show one time. Who was it? My, one of my closest, oldest friends in the world said, hey, every once in a while you find a gem. So, <laughs> think about that. I love that so much. It's true. Oh, the truth. It warms and wounds. It's just like, the truth to me is like Tiger Bomb or something. Like, a, ooh, ah, ooh, I guess that's helping. Yeah, it's not hurting you, though. It just feels owie. But it's really healing you. There is no truth. Well, we'll get to that. That's another show, what's true. It's a good word uh, to use. Uh, it just doesn't work at every scale. You know what I'm saying. The whole universe is like that. Things that work on a small scale sometimes don't work on a large scale. And you know what, uh, you know what I mean. Uh, I think there's, there's more paradoxes among, if you're a jerk, among jerks. You know what I mean? Because, you know, language is imprecise. And when people insist on some kind of precision, when they know darn well that sometimes you're just going for a feeling or sometimes there has to be a, a certain um, a desire to understand when we communicate. If you put up a barrier and you insist on being obtuse about my meaning or something like that, well, we're not going to communicate. It's, it's pointless. When I see people like that, these debates or something like that, I think this is absolute pointlessness because nobody really wants to hear what the other person's saying. This is not in any way uh, constructive. They're not trying to agree on anything. It's just absolutely a type of combat, and it's a combat with the rational and its and the emotional, and it's weird. And I like communication when we try to understand one another. And I think there's too much vulnerability in that for some folks. And they say, well, if you say something and it's correct, here's where it really, this is where, <laughs> this example came to me the other day. And it's, so, it's what's so frustrating about the world and listening and saying you don't know. So if you're in club I don't know like I am, and say, most things in the world I do not know. So you would say, spiritual matters, I do not know. The paranormal, I do not know. I'm not being, I just don't know. I mean, I really don't know. I have an open mind. And I say things, but I do not have the answers. What's out there? I don't know. So you get in a community of others and say, okay, I'm, I'm all right. I'm in that. And then you meet somebody who says, well, I do know. Now, now you're in the position of saying, can I hold on? To my, I don't know, in the face of their certainty. And you would say, well, yes, that's easy. They don't know. How do I know they don't know if I don't know? They could very well know. 
So that's what I'm saying. Then you think, well, how? But they know that I and I don't. And then you feel a little inferior. So you say, well, should I either agree with them or argue with them? So just walking around in a in a like this is very difficult because you're going to be confronted with lots of things like that, where it's hard to hold on to that because you're going to be made to feel like a dummy. And But you can't be sure that the people with answers have the answers. You just go, I'm sorry, I'd love to believe you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get there. Maybe you could show me some evidence that will lead me there. No, I have special abilities and the aliens only communicate with me. You've got to take my word for it. There is a way they can communicate with you. Oh, show me. But it will take some lessons, and you must fall under my tutelage now. Come to my seminars. Come to the meeting of my people. And I will, you pay me a little money, and then I will enlighten you. Oh, it's a difficult trap. Oh, Even among groups of the I don't knows, you say, I'm going to the uh, Unitarian Church. going. I bet you anything someone's standing up in front. Well, yeah, why wouldn't they? Well, there you go. I'm just being, I'm only half being funny. No, I'm not being funny at all. I'm only half being uh, honest. Or am I? I don't know. So my friends and I, Butch and, and Lou, we get together and we watch old sitcoms and we say, what gem can we sift out of what is lots of rubbish? Here's an aside. I was at a wedding uh, of a longtime listener and now dear, cherished friend and met other friends and listeners. It was absolutely one of the greatest experiences of my whole life, and I'm glad. I hope, may it stay embedded in my memories until I die. But I met uh, a relative of one of the young people there, and um, uh, this relative had written for a lot of, well, he'd written a famous movie, I'm not going to mention it, but he wrote a lot of television episodes for shows that I used to watch, like The Partridge Family and All in the Family and everything. And I was talking to him, I was like, oh, good Lord, and he introduced himself, he goes, hi, I wrote uh, the All in the Family episode, and I'm going, that's the famous one! So I was, it was wonderful to talk to him. So I'm talking to him, and uh, so you know, that's a uh, but for the grace of God. That's what I always wanted to do. Is what you did, and now we're done doing. And oh my gosh! And then, but you know, I looked at it, and I thought, I I really clicked and liked this person. I, I did. You know how that 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 works? You say, well, gosh, I like you. It isn't. I'm not even that I'm impressed with what you did because you don't really do it anymore. It's just like you are a nice, gentle, funny, uh, quirky person who uh, who I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed talking to, you know? And then you, you look at our sitcoms and, and what they really were, and if you didn't know the individuals who made them, you might hate them because some of it is really, I mean, we have nostalgia, but I urge you to go and look at the things that made an impression on you as a young person and and dare you not to have a high degree of resentment for the worldviews you were given and how how careless they were. <laughs> but uh, and we all lived, oh, knowing that is so liberating. 
But anyway, there is always that problem between the, the person who made the art and the art, right? What's its intent? Did it do what it was supposed to do? And I always think that about when I talk to you like this. I say, Emma, are you getting the thing that I'm giving you? If I, and, and oh, I don't want to spoil the, don't spoil the pre-recorded part. I won't. There's skits coming. If you, okay, if you say skit one more time, why do I dislike that word so much? I don't know. And now I think because I'm pretentious, because I'm like, well, oh, here's a new Beckett skit, you know, called Crap's Last Tape. It's this skit. So I don't, uh, maybe that's it. I guess they are. They're not little plays, micro plays like I think they are. But, um, or are they? I don't know. They're not funny. Or is it funny? Maybe I'm not trying to be funny. Am I trying to be funny? That's why I don't get, it's so funny I don't get hired to be funny because there's a sense of that to go, well, I don't think he does it on purpose. And that is, uh, that is true. So it's hard to, you know, when those I Love Lucy, when she does go up there to, to dance seriously or something or, or help out on the stage show and everything goes wrong and they go, oh, it's going wrong, but the audience loves it. It's a comedy. I feel that's my whole life feels like that. Say, so, wow, I'm, I'm failing with such universal appeal. I'm cl- I don't even know I'm a clown. Clowns are the symbol of what I'm talking about. Intent versus um, what you actually feel. So a clown might be setting out to amuse you and you don't like them. Or it might be setting out to uh, do something else, but you do like them. It's really never clear. And it's certainly not clear that they work as they were uh, conceived, which is like entertainment. So, oh, children are going to love this person who's made up to look like a corpse with rosacea. or I don't, It's so unclear what the, what the model of the modern clown is. But uh, there's a disconnect, isn't there, between what's intended and what's really going on. So I may have arts like that all the time. Look at this. Isn't this wonderful? And you go, it's ugly. It's supposed to be beautiful. It's beautiful. It's supposed to be ugly. Which is it? Morning. Morning. Hey, Hardy, come here and try this. Okay. Mmm, that's good. Oh, okay, good. I thought it was rancid and fatally poisonous. What the heck, Butch? Oh, he's not serious. It's a joke he saw on Golden Girls. I can't believe that was a joke on Golden Girls. Well, not verbatim, but that was the gist. The mom, Sophia, hates her daughter and wants her dead, so she torments her with threats of violence. I don't think that was the intent of the writers. Uh Uh-oh, here it comes. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha! Who cares? So you know Alan Moore's The Watchman? Yeah. Well, I like Rorschach because he's a violent, murderous psychotic with a skewed sense of right and wrong. And it makes me feel seen. However, that was not Moore's intent. Indeed. He wants you to dislike this lovable and relatable character. So you're obviously wrong about him. No, it's on him. If I make a piece of art and it's important to the meaning that you find the thing beautiful... And yet you find it ugly? Whose fault is that? 
If I make an ugly thing and you think it's beautiful, which is it? If you're a control freak, you shouldn't be an artist. Archie Bunker for President Buttons. Perfect example. I got a friend, and he says he's a noise musician. And I say, well, which is it? And he tells me that my definition of music is too narrow, and that any sound or lack of sound is music. So I say, well, that word is entirely meaningless then, like thing. Now, wait a minute. Thing means a lot of stuff, like party. Party? Yeah, like Don is having a thing to celebrate his 10 years in real estate. You know what I mean when I say it. Yeah, like I never use the word idiot. Why use idiot when we already have the word others? David Lynch won't tell you what his movies mean. I bet if I told him his movies mean burn down the woods, he would insist they don't. I've read whole books where I've thought, is this a cautionary tale or a blueprint for life? Before the advent of the artist statement, artists didn't know what they meant. My grandpa told me the Elton John song, Levon, is about a guy who always forgot to turn off the lights. Always wanted to ask Sir Elton John about that. Anyway, I'm making this food because Don's grandson got in some trouble and he's coming to live here with us for a while. What are you talking about? Oh, it's another Golden Girls-inspired thing. He thinks our healthy emotional environment will be good for the kid. Healthy. Yeah, you know how we always banter. I just read in the paper that banter can turn into bullying. Shut up, you worthless idiot. Good Lord, Butchie. Clearly I'm kidding. Yinja just too stupid to get it. Again with the yins. People are going to think you're from Pittsburgh. That's their word. That's mine now. I don't care. You aren't from England and you say blimey. I literally have never said that word. Ah, not literally. Is Don's grandson really coming here to stay? I didn't think he had one. Yeah, the kid's a storage shed slash micro cottage. He's a house? Yeah, like Don used to be, but smaller. They're dropping him off in the backyard sometime this afternoon. I already poured him a nice slab. And you say he's troubled? Yeah. A troubled tool shed. I don't know. I was just half listening when Don called. I was watching Golden Girls and taking notes in my insult diary. The sky is gold and so are we. We're not old. You'll soon see that we're friends. We are friends. Golden girls, 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 golden girls. I'll be your friend. Morning. Morning. How's your new brand of coffee, Lou? I am loving this right here. Not. How you doing? No. Uh, you're confusing me a bit, Lou. Oh, I'm trying to be a good friend. Explain. Well, I thought maybe I'm not a good enough friend, so I started to do some research and found a whole show called Friends. And some things I think we aren't doing right. Half the time, we should be taking our coffee in a cafe to break things up a bit. Also, we should be in a nicer apartment at this stage in our lives, and we never cavort. Eh, I don't really cavort. Like, you know, in a fountain. And none of us have catchphrases. Shut up. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, that's mine, I think. Oh, yeah, or maybe yins need to shut up. Hardy, you have, well, hello. Uh, I haven't used well, hello in a long time.
I'm trying to come up with a catchphrase for myself. I'm thinking about either, I'm sad my grandma's dead, or I'm sorry, I thought you were done. Uh, you don't need a catchphrase to be a good friend. That's a good one. Can I use that or is that yours? My uncle told me a friend in need is a friend in deed, but not in thought. Also, who needs needy friends? I want friends you want, not need. A friend in want is a friend I want. <laughs> oh, you rhymed want and want. Brilliant. Here's a rap you'll like then. I think Lou is a jerk. He is a jerk. Everything about this jerk is work. His chicken is jerk. His lift, clean and jerk. See jerk, he jerk, need jerk, jerk. Oh, I get it. I think you're a fine friend and don't need TV shows or the like to improve. You're kind and helpful and caring and loyal. So, we're all friends. I sure do love you guys. I hate when you do the sincerity thing because you force me to let down my defenses and that is dangerous to me. I think it adds to the adventure of life if you aren't sure we're friends. Baba doopa boopa da feep. La la goopa seepa da peep. Friends, you gotta have them friends. Who doesn't need them friends? Talk about friends. Friends, you got to have them friends. Who doesn't need them thick and thin? Dancing in the fountain. Friends, friends, we got all the friends. Morning. Morning. Oh, what the heck is that? Call 911. No, 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 it's a dummy. I'm practicing surgery on it. I was watching MASH, and I was really impressed with their friendship and camaraderie on the show. And I was thinking, maybe being in mass surgery together does that. So I got this medical practice dummy and turned the kitchen table into a makeshift operating kitchen table. It didn't come with guts, so I made some out of the guts of something else. Oh, my word. Yeah, I'm doing a Bowery section. Want to quip? Hmm, not really. That's the craziest thing I ever heard. Uh, what are you doing? Uh, Groucho. Hawkeye does Groucho. Hawkeye? Like the last of the Mohicans? Ah, that's horrifying. I don't think MASH is the best model of how we should live together. It's already gotten me in trouble. I got some heat for stolen valor because of my MASH cosplay. Clearly I am not BJ Honeycutt, but they just saw the uniform... Oh, you're making a terrible mess. Clinger! Ah, uh, yes, Major Pierce, I... No, it's just me... Anyway, mop up the blood, Clinger. Here are some quippy answers I wrote for you, Don. Oh, good. I was just going to improv something like, Sure, happy to mop blood. Try this one. What do I look like? Count Klingula? I'm sorry. Oh, it's a vampire reference because of the blood. Oh, how about this one? Okay. I feel like I'm back in the pig slaughterhouse in Toledo, Ohio, where I am from and in which I worked. You're reading more than's on the card, Don. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just getting into character. Let's turn the kitchen back into a kitchen. We don't need to recreate war to be friends. Yeah, but like they say, friendships and low-quality iron are forged in foxholes. They don't. How many I will always wonder why
everybody wins in war. I don't care anymore. Just looking for some peace. Where can I find peace? Nobody wins in war. I don't care anymore. Just looking for some peace of mind. I'm not sure my plan of modeling my friendships on old sitcoms is working very well. But just one more research effort and then I'll quit. Come on, Laverne and Shirley. Work your magic. We're Laverne, We're Laverne and, and Shirley. Shirley. I'm Laverne. I am Shirley. I'm Laverne. I'm Shirley. I'm Laverne. We're Laverne and Shirley. We work here in Milwaukee. We have jobs and we have friends. The fun we have here never ends. We're Laverne and Shirley. We work here in Milwaukee. We sure do have fun working here. And sometimes we put gloves on beer. We're Laverne and Shirley. Friends, we have so many. There's Carmine and there's Laverne's dad. There's Squiggy and there's Lenny. We're Laverne and Shirley. It's cold here in Milwaukee. But you can sing and dance all day. We make our work into play. Yes, we're Laverne and Shirley. We spend all day daydreaming. Then rub the backs of semen. We work and we ain't girly. We like to make it burly. Quitting time is here. So we're putting gloves on beer. Yes, we're All original themes. Those are original television show themes. Original to whom? Uh, I'm well. I wrote them, so they're originals. You guys do originals. Or you do covers. Uh, when I get into bed, I'm so novel. When I get into bed, I pull up the originals. Put my head under the originals trying to think you're hearing me write a joke okay i think it's finished go you go use it you go use it i have a joke uh i told the other day and nobody got it so i'll tell it to you and you can write it down go do some research and try to figure out why i would think it was funny and that is i'm such a hillbilly my phone charger's a hellcat So we'll, we'll go into that. I'll talk about cars and stuff later on another show. And then somebody's dying of laughter right, right now. And uh, maybe the, I, I, I really doubt it that the fella I know that sells them is going to be listening. But Hellcat Jesus. But um, anyway. Oh, I'm so glad to be with you. This isn't like w- watching one of those old sitcoms is it i have been nostalgia tv now is like crazy and i'm trying to figure out like if i'm watching 80 shows now 40 years later right is that right so if i'm watching things 40 years later when i was watching so i'm watching golden girls 40 years later is that about right? It's an 80s show, isn't it? That means when I was in the 70s watching the Three Stooges, they were 40 years old. 
Isn't that crazy? So watching the Golden Girls is just like watching the Three Stooges. And that blows my mind. And it's just like, oh, yeah, the last Golden Girl just now died or something like that. If Rue McClanahan is living, I apologize. But, I'm, you know, it was like that when Mo was gone. It's like, no, Mo's gone. And now they're all gone. Mo was the last, I think, to leave. Maybe Joe Besser lived longer or something, but nobody cares. Why well, like a Stooge the Stooges didn't like? Stooges were like, whoa, they put, they made us, they forced this guy on us. You know, and he didn't add to it. Didn't add to it. It's not like, it's not like Ed King and Leonard Skinner. This is like, you know, Joe Besser. Oh, no, oh, Shemp and Curly are turning over in their graves. And you could see, and you would see, you could see Curly turning over in his grave, how he would do it. He would do it the spinny way, I think, like, boop, 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 boop. he's turning. Shemp might just, oh, what if Shemp, Shemp in his grave, right? So instead of turning over, he does that face slapping thing, but he forgets that he's, he's a corpse and he slaps all the flesh off of his skull. This is the, ho the Halloween episodes I'm coming up with for my, my Stooges zombie series. They've had like baby, Muppet babies, Stooge corpses. And they just, oh, they come up out of the grave and, uh, and they knock each other's. I really feel like that was part of a, some kind of cartoon. Saturday morning cartoons went through a thing like that where they liked, they liked uh, Frankensteins and stuff like that. Maybe it was because of Scooby, Scooby-Doo and all. I love the idea of getting really, really high and solving mysteries like that. Like, let's solve, because I think that was the premise. It's like, we'll get, we're going to get really, really, really high. Because that van, that was a hippie van. I don't, and the reference might be lost nowadays on you. And you're like, oh, it's just a nice van. No. No, it has like flowers on. People would use the flower, like that daisy, to represent marijuana because they couldn't put a real leaf on it. So they're like, we like flowers. We're flower children. Well, what's the flower? It's pot. So they get really high. And then they'd go like, let's go to some old person's house, like an old house, and like scare that out of ourselves. And so that was the whole premise of the show. So they do that. And then you don't, I loved it because you don't know what's real. Like, is, are they, is it a magic trick? Are they imagining something? Or did they stumble in the house of an old vaudevillian? Which was nine times out of ten, that's what happened. And so I just had these things. I have cables all over the house. And they're just, I got fake ghosts zooming along on them, <clears throat> like a, just a zip line going through every room of my uh, Victorian mansion. And on it, uh, a mannequin with a 500 thread count sheet that I, sh I wish I had gotten a crummier one to put up there. But, and then high, the, the high kids come in and uh, they have an adventure. So I hope you're having an adventure. Gosh, I'd like to go on a, uh, a regular trip with you, a car trip, no drugs or anything. Well, I don't care what you mean. I'm not going to check your luggage. But we'll just we we'll drive together. I've, we've done it. I believe we've done it because I'm speaking to you maybe now over your car speaker. So it's like I'm right next to you. Look, if, if there's someone in the passenger seat, uh, you pretend to be me. And you go, well, hello, or something like that, when the driver turns to you briefly. Just briefly, I want your eyes on the road. Or, but if there's nobody in the passenger seat, imagine I'm sitting there. What would you be wearing, Hardy? 
I might have on jeans, but not the nice, the kind that they're not really worn. They look new. They look like my mom, like maybe my, my mom's alive. But let's say my mom passed or something, and I was like, "Hey, these fit." And then, uh, then wearing them um, depends on the season. But if it's a slightly cold, I might wear just kind of a flannel shirt. Um, why? Big Minuteman fan. Also liked all that kind of era of music where the all the bands wore were flannel shirts, and that's kind of where I'm stuck. And they're comfortable. And um, and that's what I'm wearing. It's tucked in and everything. And I used to wear suspenders, but I couldn't keep them attached. They kept because I have pant my my the size of my belly changes all the time. I go, oh, I try out all different weights. I look, I look misshapen at any any shape. I love it. I love my body. You should love yours. Don't not. I don't. I don't use outside. I don't try to judge my my appearance by some sort of outside standard. This is the one I have. I adore it. But um, y'all's clothes don't always fit me. So, you know, I have to make adjustments and everything, and I don't always like the way they look on me. So I wish, I, and I'd make my own, but I don't want to. But uh, I don't talk about that enough. But, oh, bless you. Don't let somebody, your human bodies come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. And there's absolute, say, well, mine's not a popular one. So what? I'll tell you, spend a, spend a day looking at the, what, the, what attractive people, go search for them on the internet. Well, be careful. Use, use uh, you know, stealth mode or something. But, um, gosh, I just, you know, that's a, what a source of, of, uh, pain for some people and I love I love you I love the way you look and and but you have to like the way I look too you look fine I know right yeah you look good we look good we're all good we're fine human beings um you know you're fine with that way with oh well I'm not going to get into it but people don't they don't seem to judge cats the same way you know oh look at that that, that absolute unit I'm a unit my friends, when we visit like this, I am fully aware that by calling you my friend, by saying certain things, and by saying them with certainty, sometimes I speak about things as if I know that I could be unduly influencing you. I could be taking advantage of the medium. For instance, radio is very powerful. Here you are letting me into your head as you go about your business. I'm saying things that you'll at least consider for a moment. You are, if not letting me fully in to your mind palace, you have let me in to the foyer, or perhaps all the way into the, what's the room where you sit around and greet people? Room. And, and here we are, interacting. And so I could take advantage of that. And they do. Oh, lots do. While I'm here, let me sell you something. Why I'm here, did I mention, this is what I used to like about uh, AM radio back in the day. 
It's just they'd be talking about stuff and everything and like that. And, you know, uh, sometimes I like to do something. Sometimes I like to uh, go and garden if I get the itch. <laughs> Speaking of itches, you itchy? Does that make you itch like I do? Well, I'll tell you the uh, baby old palm powder or something. And, oh, uh, and they start talking about the powder. Perfect segue. Used to do that on time radio. You know, speaking of biscuits, you know who's got good biscuit flour? The sponsor of this radio show. What kind of cigarettes are you smoking? Well, may I recommend the type that I like? That used to be a way to do it. So now everything else is, is questionable as far as I'm concerned. If you're telling me something, let's say if that was church, can you imagine that? You're sitting in church and you get this nice lesson and, and, and the preacher at some point you know, speaking of um, manna. Have you seen this new cereal? Gosh, it's so hard to get the kids to eat in the morning and I, I get frustrated just like you do. I'll say, oh, I'm tired. Boy, do I feel like Jesus on the cross trying to get these kids to eat or something. That's my, man, a little too much. I'm sorry. But uh, 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 have these, uh, this new cereal. So that would be jarring, right? You'd never want that. And that person would be gone. You say, what, they're, they're trying to sell me stuff. But, boy, that isn't in, in everything we do. There seems to be some other uh, uh, agenda. The information of itself is enough of an agenda. I feel like that. Even my, even I, am a commercial for my opinions or my values or whatever. I'm still trying to sell you something. I'm just asking you to please reject that. Don't buy anything. Don't do anything I say. Let it wash over you. Don't take a picture of it. This is one of those vacations. Don't bring your phone. To, to my amusement park. It isn't for pictures. It isn't, re, it isn't for remembering. It's something that I want you to experience and forget. I want it to be physically transformative. I want your heart to feel full. I want you to feel good, but, no, but you don't know why. And just walk around like that and not, then you don't owe anybody anything. You don't owe me for your good feeling. Oh, you just had it. It just showed up one day. And you don't remember how it got there. I like that a lot. Because then I won't feel, uh, uh, you know, puffed up. Because I think I did something good. That's the thing with the, the, the show, I think. For everybody who writes and says, Hardy, I really thank you so much. You helped me. I think there's one person thinking... I don't ever want to see that person. I don't want to ever hear the name Hardy White. You know, that I, they, I hate them. They wreck my life. That could be. And, um, you know, you say, oh, no, Hardy might not be. You don't know. I mean, you don't know how somebody's going to take something. And, of course, I live in fear that I'm going to hurt people not meaning to. Because I help people not meaning to. So that means that I'm out of control. I have no control over this. Which is why I'm glad it's on radio. Because to me, it, then it seems more like I'm, I'm donating my body for science. And that I'll be long gone by the time you cut it open and look at it and take a good look at it. That's the way I feel. 
I feel like I'm putting all this out here, not because I'm special or anything, just because I'm doing it because I can have opportunity. I have the opportunity to slice my brain up and slice my heart up and make a little bit of a deli sandwich out of it, wrap it up in something, cryogenically freeze it for the future to have a bite of and to see what one individual might have been about. Because I'll tell you what, this brain is a sponge. Everything that's gone, things have soaked into it I haven't even made sense of. And I will take it to my grave if I don't squeeze it out onto the radio. So all the sponge brain squeezings I bring into a glass. And they drip and they go down and then I could, there, that's it. That's the essence. And we'll examine it under a microscope later. And I'll be gone, so I won't, I won't blame or credit will not be mine. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm like, I'm, I want to be an artist with no expectations. I want to be somebody who paints something for you. And it really, truly is never wrong. Because I don't even know. And then you won't know and I won't know together. And that'd be lovely. And we'll be free. And then everything unlocks and we float away as soon as we say that together. I don't know. <gasps> now you're free. You're free to feel the universe without your wanting to categorize and know and name and rank. Can you, you've done that too, right? Haven't you done that? And you go out in nature and you go, what kind of tree is that? What kind of thing? And then you go, wait a minute, stop that. Stop ranking and naming and everything. Now turn everything off. Turn the language off. Now just stand here in the trees. Stand here in the forest. And now watch everything come together. Watch that unity unfold as you stop trying to tear everything apart. And it makes an impression on you. I want you, my friend, to stand in this forest with me. And we just feel things together. And I'll show you something, you show me something. And we'll just go, yeah, all right. And it all just float together and meld together in a type of Brunswick stew, a type of burgoo of wonderful experience. That's what we're going through. Oh, this temporary thing called life. So glad to be alive at the same time. So glad to be here right now in this eternal now with you. Oh, when's now? Now's not now. Oh, alive. Might not be great. Might be in pain. Alive. It's crazy. It's insane. Alive. Here we are. Oh, my goodness. My heart is full now. So I'm going to go uh, express it. <laughs> like, like a, you know, like a cyst or something. Got to get that out of there. Even joy. Joy can be pus if, if, if you've got too much of it. So I just need a little less of that. No, that's not true. I can handle a lot of joy. I can take it. I can handle my joy. So just, uh, I'm a bull when it comes to joy. Keep bringing it. I love it. 
Oh, my friends, thank you so much. This is really the craziest thing, isn't it? Being on radio with you. And with me, I'm not really on radio. Well, you're at the other end. You know, it's a weird phone call. It's just the mouthpiece like fell off of your end or something. Hardy, can you hear me? Yes, I can, but I'm just pretending I don't because I have stuff to say. Uh, and then I would love to hear your thoughts, but then you think this doesn't have any structure, just me talking. Wait till we switch, uh, switch tracks every few seconds. A wonderful meandering conversation. But I don't meander. I head from A to B. It's just that there's infinity between those two points. Take an infinite line. Mark a A, mark a B. That's fine. I don't need to go off the line. There's infinity in there. So I can stay right on it. And there will be an endless amount of details and stories and images and sounds. Here's a good one. That's a drippy water sound I make from hitting my cheek. I have a beard now, so I can't get a good... It feels like the beard's interfering. I'm wearing a... It's like a trumpet mute for my face. I did a lot of face-slapping effects when I was a kid. I thought that was funny. Look, I can make sound. And I'd just... I'd hit my face raw. And they go, very good. No, listen. And, you know, I'd come away, bruises. But it was worth it. I love attention. I do and they don't. I thought I did. That's the thing. Boy, I went, I, I lived my life thinking I did for the longest time. And then it's like, man, I guess maybe I don't. Maybe I like, uh, maybe I like it some, you know, like I, I do like donuts. Not every day. So you just got to find your dosage with a lot of things in your life. And it's not what you thought it was when you were young. And my, my dosage for some things is much lower, but I feel more blessed that I know that now. And I thank you for being oh, generous with me, with your time and patient with me, patient with my intellect and my quirks, uh, patient with my ignorance, because I don't know everything. And I say things before I speak. And I'm sure there is still, uh, I know I still am full of cowardness, cowardliness and and fear, and so I imagine that I will say things that are stupid uh, based on this fact until I can uh, clear the premises of those mostly undesirable things. Thank you so much for listening to me and for listening to the FMU East. See, this was, uh, Har I'm Hardy White, by the way, Miracle Nutrition, on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. 91.9 in New York City and Rockland County, New York, and online at WFMU.org worldwide. Thank you. And that was a little bit, was that, are you trying, was that a Paul uh, Harvey reference? Yes. Good day.
Twins name was Ebony, her name was Mahogany. 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 Twins name was Ebony. Trust us. Trust us. Trust us. Trust us. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> 